back to the Bear Down podcast. Joined for today's episode, Clancy Shields, head coach of Arizona men's tennis. Coach, we're ready to talk some tennis here. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, uh, all these conversations on this podcast start with kind of the same formula, formula which is uh, how you got to where we are and growing up. And for you, your story starts uh, born in Prescott. Arizona. Arizona, uh, a native, but then moved to Grand Junction, Colorado uh, in your teenage years, but spent a majority of your childhood there. And what was that like for you, kind of growing up, being around sports? Obviously, your dad had a little bit of a sports background, but just life life growing up in Colorado in yeah. sports. Well, I'm the youngest of five kids, so there's seven of us in the, in the Shields clan, and and. You know, I always look at now I'm living in Arizona, being born in Arizona, and kind of my start, I was actually born on a renovated bus in, in Arizona. I was the fifth kid. We did a home birth on our, and my mom actually showed me photos of this recently, but I was born on a bus, which is a pretty interesting story in Prescott, Arizona, and lived there for three years, and then we moved to a small town in Colorado, Grand Junction, and um, my dad obviously was into sports. Uh, he was a football player and a boxer, and um, we just kind of got into tennis as a family activity. And, you know, I think sometimes when they, you're the youngest of five kids, you, you get the benefits of, um, you know, being the youngest. And, and we picked up tennis, and I just was lucky to start at age six or seven and, and get into it that way. But certainly, um, it was, I think when you look at back on it, tennis was never something my parents wanted me to do. It's just something I fell in love with and was able to pursue after, and they gave a lot of opportunities for it. But, um, yeah, going back to it, I look at I think I think that's a cool story. Being born in Arizona and back here, and, and this is I can call this my home state uh, from start to finish. Hopefully, now with with a bunch of siblings all playing. Uh, now, did they all play tennis around the same time? Were you guys playing all together? Yeah, it was just something my parents. You know, back then we didn't have cell phones. I didn't have my first cell phone until college. Um, we didn't have a TV. You know, we we had one computer at home and the dial up and. Um, <laughs> So it was really just a, you know, we'd try to go to the local park or the, or the college to play tennis as a family activity. And um, we all got started at different times. My oldest brother ended up playing Division Two at Colorado Mesa. And ended up becoming, you know, a coach soon after at Colorado Mesa on the, uh, the tennis program. My sister played uh, college tennis at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Uh, my middle brother ran track, played high school tennis. And then my older brother, Luke, was the better probably tennis player. He was number one in the country. Um, top three-time All-American at Boise State. And so I was kind of lucky to have a better tennis player I could hit with every day. But certainly, um, yeah, kind of a sporting family. And, and um, you know, I guess I got the benefit of starting younger. Yeah, and it's a well-documented story about your teen years, uh, growing up in a, in a Winnebago, kind of going across the country where the weather was good to play tennis, where we could play tennis. Yeah. Um, I, I know that had to have been a very unique experience for you, but... When you look back at that, those years now, do you see that as impacting your drive or your competitive nature or just being that independent? No. Tennis is a, a wealthy sport. Let's put it plainly, it is. And we, you know, my mom was a nurse and my dad worked for the railroad. And, and so, you know, I had a paper out when I was nine years old and that's how I paid for, you know, going to tournaments or certain events. And, you know, I learned how to string rackets to make money, and we all had jobs growing up, you know, and um, so I certainly you know, didn't have it easy, but it was really one of these things where I liked playing, and, you know, you win the tournament in the local town, and then what's next? Well, you go to Denver, and you win the tournament there, and then where do you go? You go to Vegas, and then if you win there, you go to L.A., and 
then you end up going internationally. So it's, it's something, it's just always one more step. But certainly when I uh, started taking tennis seriously, I, I was fortunate to win a couple of the biggest tournaments in the world. And my dad ended up saying, well, you know, you're pretty good. So let's see if we can go play on the tour. And we, my dad bought a 23 foot, they called it a Winnebago, but it was a born free RV. And my brother and I, we just traveled, you know, 30 weeks a year traveling to play you know, pro tennis um, in an RV. And, and um, after that, it was really, you don't have a home. You just travel from city to city and, and try to find a way to, you know, maybe, you know, make a little bit of prize money to pay some of your expenses, which it never does. Um, and, but it's a, it was a very cool experience, something my parents really, I appreciate that they afforded me that opportunity. But, you know, I do look back on it as, you know, we, you, you lived, you lived a very simple life, and and you didn't have hotel rooms, and you didn't have, you weren't eating at nice restaurants. You were making, you know, food, ramen noodles, and you were eating it however, however you could. But I, I, I sincerely believe that made me the person I am today, and and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And and you know, I really think that from time to time, it, it's good to rough it a little bit. Absolutely, and that's so when that road trip ends, as it were, Boise State, playing there. You were the only Shields there at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, college tennis for you had to have been something that you had just worked towards for those many miles on the road, and finally getting there, being a college tennis player. What was the what was the vindication of that for you? Well, I never. It was never the plan to play college. I wanted to play professionally, and uh, my brother kind of took the 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 chance to go play at Boise State, and you know they were top 25 program for most of our time there and we got to the top 10 um, but it was really one of these things where my brother's two years older than me and and as we were out playing I asked him I said Luke hey would you mind taking a gap year and staying out here you know I need someone to train with and keep doing this and so he took a year off for me so I, we could travel together and then when he ended up going to school our agreement was hey we don't we're not going to go to the same place and uh, so I, you know, I took visits to Michigan and Florida and Florida State, and, and my, my, you know, heart was set on those places. And then my brother calls me up and says, "Dude, I need my brother. I need my friend." And I didn't even visit the place. I just said, "Okay, I'm coming, man." <laughs> hey, that's just kind of how it is in our life. It's like family first and loyalty, and and um, you know, it, I, it was a great experience being there with your your best friend for sure. Yeah, and it was. It's interesting as your as your career went on kind of the uh, intertwining of you and your brother Luke in the game of tennis at the college level, kind of coming back and forth. But your time at Boise, uh, obviously, your accolades speak for itself. 2009 WAC Player of the Year, first team All-WAC selection on, uh, on seven different occasions throughout your career, first team academic All-American. That wholesale success of your student-athlete experience at Boise, how much of that was fueled by your upbringing and childhood and your sort of independence, as it were, uh, of life on the road? Well, I think one of the things I really didn't know back then that I really appreciate now is that I read a lot. You know, when you're on the road and you don't have a cell phone and you don't, it's just so much different than it is today, but the amount of reading we used to do and, you know, I love to read books, you know, I have a thirst for reading. I think that was something I really appreciated. And so, I kind of felt like when I got to college, I never felt like I wasn't prepared for the rigors of schooling and tennis at the same time. I kind of felt like I'd been doing that already. You know, I traveled to everywhere around the world and the country and 
you know, hung out with most of the players on the pro tour were 24, 25 years old, and I was 15, 16, 17 years old, and so your maturity goes up, and so I, I certainly felt like I was ready, um, but I, I just think it's a unique experience to go out and do that as a, as a tennis player. It's one of the loneliest jobs you could possibly do. I mean, you know, you look at double A, triple A, even single A baseball, it's a, you know, you have a team around you, but when you're doing it as a pro tennis player, you're by yourself. You know, luckily I had my brother there, but it's one of the loneliest jobs you can possibly do. And I think most of the players uh, have the ability to go to the next level, what you're watching on TV, but most of them just can't get through the grind. And, uh, and so being able to do that really taught me a lot of life lessons and kind of things I can bring here to Arizona. Now your, your time from playing to coaching was pretty immediate. Uh, at what point did you realize, hey, Playing tennis will get me to a certain point, but coaching is, is going to be something I want to get into, too. I think I was really lucky having some cool mentors. Um, the person who got us into tennis, he was, a, he was a PE teacher who just let our family play for free over the summer in his, in his clinics. And so that was kind of my first person who I said, well, that's one of my mentors. I want to be a PE teacher. So I ended up getting my degree in a, a physical education at Boise State. And that was kind of the mission. I'm gonna go play pro tennis and then be a PE teacher and that's my life. Um, and then I ended up getting to Boise State and playing for one of the best coaches of all time, Greg Patton. And I think that's the cool thing when you see people that come in your life and you see how much fun they're having and, and the life that they're living, I think you start saying, well, that looks pretty fun, so why don't I get into that? But there's part of me that really uh, uh, is uh, bummed out that I didn't go out and give it a little more of a try after college and go play. but. You know, as you said, I, at age 29, I, you know, I'm here at Arizona and, and doing things because I did, I did jump into it so early. So, um, yeah, it, it was a really interesting transition because I was a player with a lot of the guys at Boise State on that team. And then, uh, you know, a short time after, I was coaching them. And, and it's like, these are your buddies, these are your teammates, and now you're, you're in a, sitting in a different role. So that was an interesting year for sure. And in your time coaching at Boise State led you to your first head coaching gig Utah State at 26 years old. Was that, to, in your mind, just the manifestation of that work ethic that you've talked about already, or was that something that, you know what, it, it was right place, right time, but I also put in the work for it? It's funny, because I had zero intention of ever taking that job, and I just you know, wanted to challenge myself, maybe take an interview and see what it was gonna be, and. As life goes, you go take an interview and you take a look at the place and they were just starting to join the Mountain West Conference. And, you know, we, I was excited for the challenge. I mean, they were the worst team in the WAC Conference. Going to the Mountain West was, was significantly better. So really there was only one way to go but up. <laughs> um, but, but really, I mean, I was, yeah, I was 26. And in a lot of ways, some people always say, well, you know, what is it? Age, you have youthful energy versus experience. And um, I can 100% say, you, you know, when you kind of get thrown into a, maybe a role you're not maybe ready for, you kind of learn on the go. And I, I've learned more lessons probably coaching at Utah State than I ever <laughs> will. And, and, and to all those guys that played for me there, those were really, and I don't want to say the guinea pigs, but I had no idea really what I was doing. I was just trying to see what works and what doesn't. And trying to find my coaching voice, and, and certainly some, I, I'd say more things worked than didn't. I mean, we were the first team to win a conference championship ever in the Mountain West at, at Utah State, but, but certainly, um, yeah, very, very fortunate, and, and 
I think the thing at some of these mid-major programs that I learned is we, it's a little bit, um, you're kind of on an island, you know, our program was on an island. You kind of just, you do whatever you feel. And I don't, it wasn't the wild, wild west, but certainly we learned a lot of, on the go there. And, and that when I came to Arizona, I had to really kind of understand how to do it properly, maybe. Yeah. And it was funny there at Utah State that your paths cross again with your brother Luke, who was the head coach at Fresno State. Yeah. There was a matchup in April of 2016, Utah State, Fresno State, and then a, a rematch of the Mountain West Championships later. Yeah. Well, it had to be an, a surreal feeling for you to face against your brother yeah. coaching after playing together and against each other growing up all those years later. Yeah. Well, he, he always says that growing up, I never beat him. <laughs> as a player but then after we got out of college I think I beat him four or five times in some pro events and then I think our record as coaches is like six or seven and one in my favor so he did get me that one year uh when I was at Utah State and he was the head coach at Fresno but ever <laughs> since then I think we're you know things are things are stacked in my favor a little bit but uh, look when you have one of your best your best friend who's in the coaching industry with you it's actually kind of tricky because when you talk every night you know, we talk about our teams and you talk about the problems you're having and the, and, the, and the good things that are going on and you share ideas with each other. And then it's like, oh crap, we're playing them and he knows everything about my team and I know everything <laughs> about his team. And actually the funny part is when they beat us in the conference tournament, they came back to bite me because he kind of st strategized his team. You know, we were the number one seed in the conference, he was the eight seed and he kind of flipped his lineup a little bit to <laughs> to strategize to beat our team. And I was like, well, we're the one seed. We don't really, you know, we don't do that for the eight seed. And they ended up beating us first round. And, and so after that, there was no love loss for sure. Uh, so that, that takes you to here, Tucson, Arizona. Arizona, women's men's tennis, you take the job uh, at age of 29. And I think, um, and this was something that you obviously had in college tennis had before, your rival here was uh, a strong international makeup. Um, Obviously, tennis is a very much a worldwide game, but the college uh, version of it, as it were, has a lot of international influences, international recruiting. Is that something that, from your perspective, historically, was more of a recent development, or has it always been a, a very strong European focus? I think it's been, for a long time, a very global sport. Uh, that's the way I'd say it. it. It's all over the world. I mean. We have a kid from Japan and Australia and, and all over Europe. It's a really a global sport. And when you go to Europe and recruit, or really anywhere, I mean, you see how big the game of tennis is in those, you know, you're driving in the middle of the road in a small village and you've got 10 immaculate tennis courts because it's a really a social thing there in Europe where the community is really connected to the club and they're there playing tennis. And so I'd say in Europe, it's probably the second, third, fourth biggest sport, whereas in the States, it's maybe, you know, ninth or 10th. Um, so it is, it, it just really opens up the amount of kids that we can recruit and that can compete here in the, in the Pac-12 conference um, with the teams of, you know, like the likes of Stanford, or UCLA or USC, who are year after year getting the top Americans. And so that's kind of the route we've chosen. And, you know, it's cool to see our basketball program here doing it too. And I, I kind of felt like, 10 years ago, it was really shunned upon to have such an international roster. And now we're celebrating a little bit. And you look at our basketball team, I mean, the, how the community is embraced. I mean, Kerr and, and all the players from all over, it doesn't it feel like they're from Sweden or Estonia. It feels like they are from Arizona. And we've all embraced 
what it is to bear down. And, and I thought that was one of the coolest things about this season in basketball was you didn't know where those guys were from. You just saw they wore the Arizona gear and you were cheering as hard as you could for them. And, and that's the same thing at all, on, on our tennis program is, is that's what they see. They see Arizona on their chest. But the backstory of it all that I find is very unique is that these kids learn to come to love Arizona just as much. And what bear down means to them and, and the school and the university, it really, you know, is pretty special. And a lot of our players have ended up staying in Arizona um, from all over the world and, and uh, making this their home. And speaking of ambassadors, as it were, for Arizona Athletics University of Arizona, uh, head coach Jed Fish, football, got a bit of a tennis background. He's a pretty good player in his day. You guys have kind of had some friendly matches and some, some, uh, some go-between. What's it, what's it like uh, playing a little tennis with Jed Fish on the hard court? Well, it's fun because, you know, he's just, he's just a good dude and down to earth and uh, wants to come out and get some exercise. And, and Well, first off, what he's done here at the University of Arizona is incredible, bringing really everybody together. He's so involved in every sport. And um, you really can't help others if, you, if you're not helping yourself. And so really it's just for us to go out and get some exercise. He has a tennis background. But we play for five minutes and we'll talk, coach talk for five, and then we'll play for 10 mm -hmm. and to coach talk for five. And, and I just appreciated his friendship and I'm you know, his biggest fan and I just can't wait to see what they're gonna do this year. But, but more than anything, um, you know, that the fact that he loves tennis and is a bonus for our program. But more, more importantly, I think that's probably why he's a good coach is that tennis is a really cerebral game and you know, there's a lot of thought and tactics and, different things that go into it. I'm sure that helps when you're, yeah. when you're uh, out drawing X's and O's on the football no, field. No doubt. Now, uh, uh, speaking of ambassadors again, uh, part of your meteoric rise here at Arizona Clancy has been alongside a student athlete of yours who's been here since 2017. Talking about Philip here. When you see kind of the parallels of the program's rise with him in tow for, for a couple of, couple of years now with, a, with an extra year of eligibility, what, what does that mean to you to have somebody like him who's kind of been along for the entire, for almost the majority of the ride? Mm -hmm. Well, we're, I'm, I'm just the caretaker of the program. You know, my program's Boise State, that's where I play, that's my program. But for these guys, this is their program. And I'm just holding the steering wheel right now. And, um, but, you know, we'll go down and, you know, Phillip's probably the greatest player of all time to play here with the most wins. But, but looking beyond that, that's really what people see on the outside. But when you look on the inside, it was really, I look back at the first time I met him in Stockholm and we had like a four hour dinner. And um, <laughs> the funny thing is when we first met, I didn't, I couldn't read the menu and it was all in Swedish. And I just said, dude, just order me whatever. <laughs> I'll eat anything but mushrooms. And he got me this pizza that was just littered with mushrooms. And I said, <laughs> and I said you know what? He ordered it for me. I have to like, it's, it's, it would be, you know, it would be disrespectful not to eat what he ordered for me. So I, I mustered that thing down. Um, but, but also, to come back to that meeting, I mean, it was like, it was just, you just know when you know. And we, we're sitting there and eating in, in Sweden. He's telling me about his background and his story. And I just knew that this is the guy that's going to turn our program around. And, and, it, and the things that really stand out that made our program successful is that, well, he's just a gritty dude. I mean, he's tough. I mean, he's, he's played with injuries galore he's played with a broken hand I mean he's a tough kid yeah. and I think that was the, that was the initial thing that drew me to him but, but more importantly is also that how much he cares about his teammates um, and you see that in our team I mean it's some 
people come out and watch our matches and they just they fall in love with the energy of our team and it really starts with him and um, he's a special dude but also like uh, you know I'd be remiss if it also didn't start with you know the former coach who who brought in Alejandro Reguant and I mean that kid was as special as anyone you've ever met and, and I feel like him and Phil really um, have made this program one of the better ones in the country and 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 it wasn't necessarily with talent. Yeah. It was with all the little intangibles. So really proud of those guys for that. And your time as, as the gatekeeper, as it were, has been uh, you know, built on success upon success on, on, upon success, both as a team and for you individually. I can't go without mentioning two-time Pac-12 Coach of the Year, Clancy. I know it doesn't fit the gatekeeper mold, but that's something that we definitely want to point out. And the building of the program, really, each year you were here, but it took a bit of a different turn, as it were, with the COVID cancellation of the 2020 season, where you guys were on the rise again mm -hmm. and just have it taken away from you like that. Mm -hmm. Was that something that you look back at now and see, you know what, that actually drove our success for the years after? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it made all of us appreciate every little thing that we have in our lives, which is what we should be doing. Yep. You know? And I would just remember it was like, Leading up to those days, I think that, that, that week leading up to the cancellation of our season was like the sweetest time I've ever had coaching because we all knew it was coming to an end. Nobody wanted to talk about it. And it was like, well, this could be our last match or this could be our last practice. And it was fortunate we were on the, a road trip and we just played Fresno, my brother's team. And, and we were just hearing all these things getting canceled. And I, we ended up going to Yosemite Park, and which is a very beautiful place, then bring a team. And, and I, when, it got, when it ended, I just thought all of our team just said, well, we just want one more year with Alejandro. And we were just watching all the news. Is he going to get another year? Is he going to get another year? And then when that happened, I mean, everybody was like, well, now that he's got another year, we're going to come back and we're going to do something really special. And, you know, that led to the Sweet 16, taking second place in our conference. But, um, yeah, there, that team was special. I, it was just like watching the basketball team this year. I mean, to see there's just something going on on the team and there's an energy, there's a vibe, there's an appreciation for each other, there's a love between the players and the staff, and um, that's kind of what we had that year. And, and it's really rolled over into this year, and um, you know, because once you set the bar of what it should be, then that's what you aspire to, right? And, and of how we should care about each other and how we should appreciate each and every day and, and to make each day our masterpiece. Um, you know, that taught us that, and I, and I think now that that bar's been set, we don't always live up to it, but it, we know what it looks like, and and what we're trying to go for. And that 2021 spring, obviously very successful. You mentioned finishing second place, first ever Sweet 16 appearance. Uh, I'd also note the historical sweep of USC and UCLA, which going into that weekend, Arizona had a combined record of three to 174 against those two schools. Good. <laughs> uh, obviously an, another feather in the cap. And that really led into this season. Here we are in 2022, another banner year of success. Uh, what what did you take away, or what was the team able to take away from a very high achieving twenty one, and to keep it going here in twenty two so far? Yeah, well, we we know we were better, and we're a better tennis team. Like the guys are better players, their their skill levels better, and the expectations are higher, and you have a target on your back. So there's been some bumps in the road certainly this year, but I think, as I said before, we. We're just trying to meet the goal of what we had the year before, of what it looks like to play our style of tennis and our brand of like togetherness and f competitiveness and grittiness and toughness. And 
and all the things that we can control versus, you know, hitting the shot the way you should. Yep. Um, but certainly this team has shown, you know, we Texas, who made the Final Four last year, brought everybody back, added two players to their roster. They were top five in the country. We beat them at home. You know, we beat a top 16, Oklahoma. We've, had the, we've shown that we can be really brilliant. And um, we've also shown that we can stink at times, and that's that's <laughs> happens. But I think those those are things that we'll learn from, and and this year. But it, it's been a, a really uh, for me a really challenging year because it's the first time having a target on our back. We always kind of were the we're hunt we were the hunters, and this year we're the hunted, and that it takes a little bit. It's a little different approach as a coach too, mm-hmm. because when you're the hunter, man, you're you're just attack, 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 and and now that people are coming at you with that same ferocity that we had. You kind of have to manage your emotions. You have to learn to, you know, take their best shot, and, and then also, you know, how to live with those expectations. And, and that's, you know, what basketball has been dealing with for twenty some years here. You know, I'm sure if you if you ask Lude, he probably enjoyed the first three or four years where they weren't maybe as good and they were they were attacking it. But that's the role now is how do we how do we maintain the success so it wasn't just you know a blip, a blimp and on the radar and that it, we you know. We did that for a couple of years, and then we went back to being mediocre. And that's that's kind of, as we establish our program, you know, we want to have success every year, and not just not just one or two years. Yep. And I think we're doing that. So this is the 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 wraparound question here, Clancy. Sitting here today, when you look back at everything you've accomplished here since May twentieth, two thousand sixteen, your first day, what are you most proud of? What do you wish you could tell yourself back on May 20th, 2016, a piece of advice? What does this, what does this time in Tucson and Arizona meant to you mm-hmm. so far? Well, I think looking back on it, I'd say, and I, Susie Mason probably shouldn't know this, but I was sleeping in the office, you know, that first three months and just around the clock calling because Europe's on a different time zone and Australia. And, and it was really just sitting in there working nonstop and there's just no substitute for hard work. And that's like, people ask me, how'd you turn it around? How'd you do it? Well, we just, you work hard and, and there is no substitute for that. And, and so I just encourage you to keep working hard and to believe that there, it's going to work out if you do put in the time and the effort and who knows what that will be. But I remember back to that first year, I mean, we were getting absolutely pounded by a lot of teams and you can get discouraged very easily. And um, at times I felt like maybe I was the only one in the room that was believing this could happen. But, but certainly, I think a lot of those type of things, well, hard work, you know, the guys who let, laid the foundation those first two years are just absolute dear to my heart, uh, such special kids. Um, and then, and then the, as it's kind of gone on, it's, it's, it's really been about now how we got this really good recruit. Well, can we get a better one? And pushing the envelope. And one of my favorite coaches probably ever is Coach Peterson from Boise State. He was at Washington, Coach Pete. And, I think the thing he says, hey, if we're doing something really good, let's break it down and see how we can do it better. And heck, we're doing things right, pretty good to our standard here. Well, let's break it down and see if we can do it a little bit better and how far can we take this. But we want to, as you know, as Coach Lloyd said, man, we want to be in this spot without the players. And we, <laughs> and he said it perfectly. He's like, I just feel fortunate I get a chance to coach him. And um, that's the way I feel about our program and, you know, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Well, 2022, home stretch of it, more success, more another banner year for Arizona men's tennis. 
want to thank Clancy Shields for joining us today here on the Bear Down Podcast. Big weekend for the Cats coming up. Bay Area schools in town. Get down to the Robson Tennis Center. Check it out. Bear Down.